2: I asked this question off the top of the show, and it's a very simple sure. one, but I think it is kind of how a lot of Steelers fans and Steelers media are probably feeling right now. How good are the Steelers? That old adage in the NFL is, you are what your record says you are. Well, the Steelers are 4-2, and two, but it doesn't feel like all those wins and losses are created equally. What would Chris Carter say looking at the Steelers through six games at this moment?
3: I'd say the Steelers are a 4-2 team that has found a way to win even when they haven't played good or their best or even good football at times. And that should be encouraging to Steelers fans. And yep. let me get into what I mean by that. Because if you think back to, to like the, the prime Steelers of the Killer B era or the late 2000s when they had that great defense, They would dominate teams. They would play consistently. And you could tell when they had their complete games. And even in 2020, there were some games that year where, like, Ben Roethlisberger, Deontay Johnson, they'd get crazy. James Conner would play well. The defense would ball out. And you'd be like, that was a good Steelers football game. You haven't really felt like that about this year. I mean, this this was about as close as I think that we could say the Steelers have gotten to that, right? So – the way I look at it is that this team is still figuring out different ways to win. Like, and I think this is always really important is that one thing, one thing when I evaluate teams and how good they are beyond just their record, I look, how many, te- how many ways can a team beat you? Like if mm. you look at say uh, the Eagles right now, they could beat you with Deandre Swift. They could beat you with Jalen hurt. They could beat you with either of their receivers. They could beat you with that defense. They can yeah. do the secondary or the pass rush. There's so many things that can take over a game with that team, and that's why that they're 6-1, and one, and that's why right now to me, they're the best team in football. Um, you know, and, and the Chiefs, they, they, their defense has stepped up this year. That's why they're such a good team, and they're right up there with the Eagles again. Um, you know, the Steelers, they're a team that is figuring out different ways to do that. Like, whereas, like you know, with the, the Eagles, their offensive line, they're established. There's no question about who they are. They know what they have to do. They know what to do well. They're, they're just getting back to that. The Steelers' offensive line, they're figuring out what they do well, as is the Steelers' run game and the Steelers' pass game. And I even think the Steelers' run defense with all the new linebackers they have, all the new interior defensive alignments they've added, uh, and even the secondary. So many parts of the Steelers are very much figuring out how to work with each other. But while they're figuring that out, they're winning football games. That is the sign of a team that can become very good. And I'm seeing signs of those things. Now, will it pan out? You never know. That's one of the biggest things about the NFL is that there's so many complexities to the game that things can change at any moment. But the fact that they're winning games right now and winning games against good teams, like yeah, the, the Rams, they're not a bad teams. The Ravens, they're a good team. The, the, the fact that they're able to do these things, I think is a good sign that they can keep building and moving forward. And they have a young team.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I very well articulated there. I, I think I tend to agree with that, uh, with that reasoning about the Steelers. And I see them in kind of that middle tier of the NFL, just kind of teams right now through six or seven weeks where we don't know exactly what they are, but I kind of put them at the upper echelon of that with a team like uh, like kind of the Rams maybe or like the Jaguars who they're going to face off against this week. Um, you may have heard what I was saying, uh, talking about with that caller there right before I got you on here, uh, Robin West Mifflin, where what is really encouraging to me is yeah, Kenny Pickett hasn't necessarily put a full game together yet, where he has looked really good from the first whistle to the last whistle. But he's got, you know, six game-winning drives in 18 starts in his career. Five, you know, uh, come-from-behind uh, drives or, or something like that was the stat earlier. There's a lot of things you can improve upon as a quarterback over time. It's accuracy, it's reading defenses, it's pocket presence, all those things. But I I feel like that kind of clutch gene, that moxie, is something. That you have or don't, and that's encouraging to me that Kenny Pickett already has that, and that everything can come along after. How much stock do you put in that, like that, that he has led his team on game-winning drives and comebacks like that in a third of his starts in his young career? I put a good stock in
3: that. I put a, I put a, a good amount of stock in it. To the point that I look at this at this guy, and he does not freeze in the big moments. And Mike Tomlin elaborated that. Uh, today's press conference yeah. he talked about that's who we saw hit. you know he can he, he can step up in the big moment and that's something that if you go back to the pivot podcast when mike thomas was sitting in his basement with ryan clark and fred taylor and all the dudes and they was talking about ben roethlisberger he said every time when that when you know when 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 he, when he got down late he may not always get the win but when the game gets tight and there's less than two minutes and everything's on the line A lot. Most players in the NFL and most players in all sports, they get shaky. They get desperate. They start doing things that aren't that they wouldn't normally do because your mind is racing. You're you're calculating so many things. You're thinking about a mistake that you made two hours ago, or you're thinking about oh why I saw this. There's so many things rushing through your head. Ben Roethlisberger, if there was anything that he was the best at and his uh, of, of all his of his abilities, I always thought that in those moments he was steady and he wouldn't freak out. And he would make in their way when there was time to exert himself, he would, but he would keep it even keel. And that's why he had so many game-winning drives himself over his career. I think Terry Bradshaw had that factor in his career. And Kenny Pickett, that's what he's showing in these games. That's very important. That that's the it factor when people talk about it. The other aspect of this is that when he's doing that, he's not just doing it on plays where there's just single-man coverage. I'm just throwing it to my guy, and he's just making a play. He's deciphering defenses in those moments. Like there and I broke this down with some of my film study that I put that out there on my Twitter account at Carter Critiques. But you know, looking over some things, there were concepts that were being thrown at him that were pretty complex, like different fake disguised zone looks or disguised man looks and who was covering whom. And he was understanding it and making good throws and putting it in good spots and doing it in rhythm with his offense. And those are things that I look at and like I put it in am like okay. He can do these things. He can read the field. He can see what he needs to do in these situations. It's just about doing it consistently. And the crazy thing about football, and one of the things that makes it so hard to analyze one of the sports, I think it's one of the sports where stats sometimes matter less than other sports because people are so stat-dependent in other sports, but there's so many moving parts in football, 22 guys in the field on every play, that... You can't just rely on stats. you got to look at every component of the play. That's why film study is so important in the NFL and in all levels of football. And when I look at it, I'm like, man, you could just chalk it up and say he's a good fourth-quarter quarterback and he's a bad every-other-quarter quarter, quarterback. And that's, you know, you know as far as stat was, that is true. But what is he doing in those moments that he's performing well and how can he expand upon them? That's going to be the determining factor to see can Kenny Pickett become a complete quarterback and become that franchise quarterback, the Steelers, see him developing into expanding on the things that he's reading and executing and in, in, uh, on, on different looks consistently throughout the game at Pitt. That's what he did. And Cale, you were watching him at Pitt. Yeah. He wasn't always the star that he was his last year. But, and a lot of people think, Oh, he just turned into his last year. I really think in 2020, he turned that corner and it was just the, the, the Panthers receiving core wasn't up to par yet. They had, they, they led the country in drops. The offensive line was still coming together. They were still figuring things out. Mm-hmm. So Kenny Pickett was very much carrying that 2020 team a lot that year. But in 2021, when his offensive line came together, and Israel Abanikanda became a star running back, and the, and the receiving core got really good, and Jordan Addison became a superstar, then you saw what the real Kenny Pickett could be in college. And I think that's what we're working on in the NFL right now is the Steelers are working to see. When can you get the real Kenny Pickett in the NFL? And Who knows? Maybe they're seeing that right now. But I think there's a, there's, there's a lot of things that he's putting together and becoming more consistent at in the NFL, and that's going to translate to a much better career for him as he continues to grow.
2: Joined by Chris Carter here at the Locked on Steelers podcast and the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Chris, I thought one of the big things from uh, Sunday's game was the job that they did schematically in limiting both Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald, the two best players on the Los Angeles Rams, they basically took them out of the game on their respective sides of the football. From your film study, your analysis, what did the Steelers do specifically to limit Aaron Donald and to limit Cooper Cup that you know maybe could be something that they can build on for the future but also was so pivotal in that win?
3: Well, with Aaron Donald, when they ran the ball, they were running away from Aaron Donald. They oh, were, pretty right? simple. You're,
2: you're, they should probably do that more often. Everyone should.
3: Everyone should. <laughs> but also, there were so many times and I tweeted out a joke about this. Uh, but like, there were so many times when if they had to deal with any part of Aaron Donald, if it was if they were just protecting Kenny Pickett, two bodies were on you. Two two offensive of linemen were, and it was to the point where they would have. Both Malo and Cole on Donald, and if there were two guys coming blitzing from the linebacker position, Jalen Warren and or Najee Harris, you, you were responsible for both of them because they would rather have that matchup than to worry about Aaron Donald beating one guy if they left, left left him alone. So that's part of the matchup. They found different ways to neutralize it. And hey, you know, part of it is also what you know what other teams do, you know try to try to do. They a lot of teams try to do that. It's not easy to do it. You see, teams try to scheme out T.J. Watt and. Sean McVay, and I talked about this on the Final Word when we were on it on Sunday, Sean McVay schemed out T.J. Watt as an edge rusher, as well as Alex Highsmith. If Matt Stafford dropped back to pass, it was a quick pass. Or if it was Max, if he was going deep, they called Max for So if, if T.J. Watt was getting to your quarterback, you've beaten three people to do it. And that worked. But the Steelers had counters for them and was ready for it, unlike when they were, weren't ready for it when the Texans did it. And that's where I think the Steelers you know, were able to adjust that for Cooper Cup you saw a lot of different looks. Everybody covered him at one point. Levi Wallace covered him. Joey Porter Jr. covered him. I think it Patrick covered him. Uh, uh, Patrick Peterson covered him Every, at, at different points and times. And I also say Patrick Peterson, there were times in the slot, and I did a whole thread of tape on this, he looked really good. There was one time on the, on the, the 2-2 Atwell touchdown at the end of the first half, go back and look at Patrick Peterson and how he covered Cooper Cup on that play. Because Cooper Cup start of his route, end of his route, Patrick Peterson put the clamps on him. And I was so, so surprised. It was because he was in the slot. And I think that the Steelers, they had plans, and they also they communicated. And that's something that I think I've been talking about going into the season. They have a lot of veterans who are smart, savvy players. They're, they're going to be at their best when they start understanding how to play together and when to switch off guys between each other. And you saw that happen a lot more in this game. I think they started to coalesce during the bye, and I think the addition of Joey Porter Jr. is helping them. You're going to see a lot more of that in helping them take away receivers as the year continues.
2: Chris, great stuff as always, brother. Enjoy the rest of your night, and uh, I will see you down there on the south side tomorrow for a uh, little Pitt Panthers coverage, all right? Yes, sir. See you soon, Kale. All right, sounds good. There he goes. Chris Carter of the Locked On Steelers podcast, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Always love to get Chris's insight. Uh, no one knows football like him in this town and, and breaks down the film and you know covers the ins and outs of the teams every single day like Chris, so always good to have him on. We still take your phone calls here at 412-928-9370. We got NBA on now, the first game of the season, and it's a tight one early on, 18-14, Denver leading L.A. in Colorado, about seven minutes left to go in the first quarter there. And uh, we'll do a little NBA talk coming up next, now that the season is officially underway. You feel free to uh, join that conversation as well. If you're an NBA fan out there. You got big takes. You got big opinions, predictions for the season. We want to hear them at 412 928 9370. It's Kale Berger on The Fan.